Hi, welcome again to H2 with me, Denise Dillon Mejia, talking health and hypnosis. And today my guest is Isla Brock, who works in the Central Valley of California. She sees clients all over the world, and she actually was my tutor when I was a student of hypnosis a few years ago in California. Hi, Isla. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi there, and thank you so much for having me. So what would you like to talk to? I, let's chat a little bit about what a limiting belief is. Well, what is it? Okay. It's some, a, a limiting belief is something you believe that you wished you did not believe. Um, I would well, go one step further. Most people don't realize they have them. These are things oh, no. they know. These are just internal. I wish I didn't know this. I am so stupid. I am worthless. I'm no good. I'm not enough. They wish they didn't have that. And it's like they don't realize that that is a limiting belief in their mind. It's solid, but it really can be collapsed. It's so just- but when, you, when you're working with a client, um, mm-hmm. do, they, do they realize what the underlying issue is? Or do they, they no, come no. for you, for example, for example, very common people come to us for public speaking, for example, yeah. not not generally considered part of health, but anything that affects your well-being is your health. Yeah. So I'm very open about calling those things. In. <laughs> and I see a lot. I see a lot of people that you would never believe have issues with public speaking. Attorneys, for example, they speak oh, yeah. in public frequently. And yet I will see people what they tend to call the imposter syndrome. But it is it you just have those little doubts and they can overwhelm you. So how how do you help your clients identify those limiting beliefs that are stopping well, them from doing When things? they say something that I know for a fact is a limiting belief, I'll ask them and sometimes they'll go right away yes or they'll raise an eyebrow with I I don't know. Well it's like well then let me ask you is it something that you believe that you wish you didn't? Oh, okay. Well, they can be collapsed one at a time. Usually when you collapse one of them, it'll be like a whole domino effect for a whole bunch of others. One's holding up the whole stack. Let's find that one. What do you think is the most common reason people seek your help? Anxiety. Pick the reason why the anxiety. They come in and they don't know where it's from or they know the reason. They don't know how to get out of it. So what limiting belief would be underlying that? Well, it depends on the reason what the anxiety is for. Right right away, I'm not going to assume anxiety is a limiting belief. Anxiety is a true physical thing that's happening because of an emotional reaction to but whatever. Are they, are they able to identify what it is they're anxious about? Or are they just generally sometimes, anxious? Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes they can, but like, I've been anxious for five years. Really? Okay, what was going on six years ago? Mm-hmm. Oh, my mother died and I, my son got hurt and and all these significant emotional events that happened prior to onset of anxiety. Okay. So that was the body reacting to those events. Do you find that once they're able to identify what is the underlying cause, does it already start to go away? Oh yeah. As miracles happen right before my very eyes. What's the stickability? Does it, do they stay fixed or do other things come back? Because it's not like we're in vacuums. Life is still going on. There are still reasons to get anxious. Absolutely. And that is something that I also caution, you know, you feel great today and you'll probably feel great for the rest of the week, but then something, and then suddenly 
um, they went from their, oh, I feel great to all of a sudden it just spiked like nothing ever happened. But now that's all they have to deal with, not all this other anxiety. And then right. it's like learning to adapt to the triggers that trigger you. And this is how we're going to do it. And it's very often, I think, just knowing that they have had relief in the past and they know they'll be able to get it back. And that yeah. helps to decrease things. How often do you see clients for, for a specific issue? They usually come in resolutions, usually in four to six sessions. Okay. And those are a, a week or two apart? They're about a week apart. Okay. And and it obviously it depends on the issue. And often a client will find, oh, you could help me with this too. And oh, look, there's another thing we could do. But exactly. but there's no absolute. They, they can come to as long or as short a time as they need to exactly. because sometimes it's so fast. Exactly. Uh, and, and always, all all responsible hypnotists work alongside other medical professionals. We're not in competition. It's not like no. this cures cancer. Nobody needs to go to an oncologist. No, this is just one modality that can be used exactly. to help you with your life. Some I things clearly to... medical and some things aren't obviously medical. Exactly. Do you usually have a consultation with people by phone before you make the yes. appointment? Yes. Yeah. And I'm thinking it's exactly what they're telling me. And then they come in and something entirely different that happens. And it does. And it doesn't mean that they're trying to defraud oh. you in some way. It's just oh, that, no, that, not at all. And do you see yourself stopping it anytime soon? Oh, no, <laughs> no, I don't even know. This is something I can do anytime, anyplace, anywhere with anybody that would like to see a hypnotherapist. I love what I get to do. I, I control my own schedule so I can take time off if I need to or want to or whatever. I'm just, it's a great, um, I don't know. It's a great practice. It's a great opportunity for me. And um, it just gives me a lot of flexibility mm -hmm. and I love helping people love it. <laughs> and that was actually the I, I know from previous conversations we've had you made a pretty major uh change in what you thought you were going to do in order to help yeah. people yeah i was to talk about that very briefly and let people know <laughs> I, yeah i was in law school i'm a sign language interpreter a deaf advocate thought if i go to law school and be a lawyer i can help the deaf more people um, in the deaf world that are being discriminated against etc but when i found hypnotherapy it didn't take me very long. Like literally it went for a tour at the school and that night signed on the dotted line. Next day I called the law school and said, I'm done for a while. On the and other then, hand, your work with the deaf previous to that has led you to realize that this is, although we think of this as a talking therapy, communication yeah. therapy is what it is. And you don't yeah. necessarily need words to, no. to communicate. And, with, and so yeah. it is, it is possible too far. It's unlikely the deaf person will be listening to this radio. But if you have a deaf family member or loved one friend, and you friend. and they might benefit from help with hypnosis, there are hypnotists, not all, but there are hypnotists who could work with them. And Isla is one. There's and there's so much research going on in hypnosis. Um, we're finding more and more. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. what people see on TV so shows are yeah, they're 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 as real about hypnosis as the doctor shows are about doctors, and the law shows are about what really what attorneys do. It's fine for the storyline, but it is not an accurate portrayal. Of course, one of the greatest myths is that you're taking over somebody's mind, and you can't do that. So, if you have questions about hypnosis, you should talk to an actual hypnotist.
Exactly. <laughs> it's not going to affect your moral compass. So thank you, Isla, for this very quick chat. <laughs> and we'll yeah. talk again soon. <laughs> you got it. Thank you.